I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, April 23, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? A, do we have a failure on our hands? B, do we have more eating time off the clock underneath the 50 period moving average on the daily chart and they're just angling to make another move higher? Which one do we have? We're going to talk about the whole ball of wax, but in order to do so, we're going to have to drill down to some other charts because the daily chart really doesn't tell the entire tale. It tells part of the tale, not the whole tale. What are these other lines on the charts? What is that 284.50 and what is the 278.25? What do they represent? We're going to discuss those. I'll explain those when we go down to an intraday chart. They come into play as it relates to inside the numbers and the numbers are pretty interesting. I'll explain where they come from. Why? Because it's a learning opportunity. What is that thing, if there is one thing or more than one, that jumps off the chart at me on the daily chart? Right now, it still remains two things. It remains the 50-period moving average that you can see today. They tried to make a spike above, yet they failed and closed below. So the question is, is that the makings of a failure? Is it a failure in and of itself? Not necessarily, they just haven't done it yet, but they're still not really rejected in a big meaningful way from this area near these highs. The market is still, from a daily chart perspective, eating time off the clock and hasn't really done any damage on the daily chart to the current shorter term uptrend. Let's just define what shorter term uptrend is so everybody's clear on what we're discussing. So here's a downtrend. That's a longer term downtrend. As long as we stay at least below these moving averages and certainly the 50 period moving average, the trend is down. However, from a shorter term basis, the trend is up. This is a channel. The trend is up. The channel doesn't have to be over. It can be over. When the bottom end of the channel is broken, and this isn't drawn to perfection. This is drawn on the fly during a live television appearance. But when this conceptual channel is broken, that can be trouble to the downside. Why? Well, there's one school of thought from Technical Analysis 101 that this is, in a sense, a rising wedge pattern. Getting a lot of comments on that underneath the video, I get it. It is a rising wedge pattern. Can it rise higher? Sure it can. Why not? In order to do so, it would have to recapture this line that I just drew in. Why is that? And you can see today, maybe they were trying to test the top of that line. We'll see. It's not a perfect science in terms of these trend lines. You don't know exactly where the points are to the penny. However, what we can say about this is if you do connect the low and then this point here, that is your rising channel. The top of the channel is a little bit sketchy right now. However, all we really care about is this rising portion here. And as you can see, price is below this channel and has yet to get above, and I shouldn't say channel, yet to get above this rising trend line. Is that important? Is it meaningful? I think it's something the bears can hang their hat on. 
For the record, I'm not in love with these things. That's why I haven't mentioned it before. But since we're getting some comments on it, I thought it would be appropriate to bring it to the forefront. What's the other thing on the daily chart that jumps out at me? And it has to be 281. Now, whether a number is above 281 or below 281, what the actual number is that the market thinks is the actual number doesn't really matter. I've got it at 281. We've been watching 281 for quite a long time. We've been discussing 281 for a long time. And as far as I'm concerned, 281 remains important. Let's go over inside the numbers real quick because some of the stuff in here is going to relate right back to the charts that's going to relate right back to a lesson that we're going to tie together, something that we discuss all the time, a number you're going to see on the chart, and then what's going to happen is a lot of you are going to have that aha moment and say, holy shit, this is how it all comes together. It's not a perfect science, and you'll see that they did the thing that I just referred to really in the after-hour session, but you'll get the point when we go over the numbers and then back at the chart. Right out of the gate, first thing in the morning, and I'm just going to run through the notes real quick. You can start and stop the video whenever you like, but first thing in the morning, we're angling for higher prices. That was the deal of the day coming into the day. While we're down here, we'll take a look at stocks on the move real quick. There were two that hit their price objectives. I had made an error on one of them. We'll discuss it when I get to the chart. The first one was Netgear NTGR. The second was Xilinx XLNX. We're going to look at the charts. You'll notice that Xilinx did have somewhat of a rocket ride. Well, you don't notice yet. You're going to notice it when we get back to the chart. For now, let's continue scrolling up. Let's go over inside the numbers commentary because there's a method to the madness and I want to get to the lesson on the chart. The point in the early going was we're angling for higher prices in the market. We're angling for a further rally. What we're also doing is we're also aware that they're going to be coming into some important numbers and they're also going to be coming into an important time zone for a mid-morning high, mid-morning pivot of sorts. So you'll notice here, around the 10 o'clock post, we're discussing 28.22 in the ES contract. This is one of those days where we had to bounce back and forth between the SPY and the ES. What you'll notice is if you read the notes earlier before I scrolled up, we were talking about 28.22 at about 9.35. That's AM, right after the market opened. Here's a five-minute chart of the futures contract, the ES contract. You'll see 28.22. It happened right here. It happened very quickly. They pulled back, but they never got there. They came up a point short, and what we were talking about was that they were going to likely make another attempt and then even go higher, which they did. Let's continue on. Now again, we're discussing 281 as long as they stay above, and then we have a target at 284.50. They didn't get there, but I'm going to show you where that comes from and why that was put on the board. That's part of the learning opportunity. Here's the thing to keep in mind. So let's say that you heeded the information and a trader was long. There's your Xilinx, by the way, 1025. There it goes. Actually, it went earlier. It went at about 1012. That was the post at 1012. Here it is. There it goes, Xilinx. But nevertheless, what I was saying was that a trader that was choosing to be long the S&P, whether it was the ES contract, options on the SPY, the SPY itself, one of the exchange-traded products. It doesn't matter. If a trader was long the market, here's the training. 
The training is on the way up, you have to take profits if you treat this as a business. If you've been around for more than two or three days, you've heard me say that 10 times. Then I'm also reminding you over and over again, each and every day, depending on which way the market's moving, we're either looking for some kind of a mid to late morning low, we're looking for a mid to late morning high. Either way, you have to couple that together with the information of take profit along the way. And even though the market put in that pivot, instead of running sideways, they actually collapsed back down. It took all day, but they ended up collapsing back down and that was the high of the day. Guess what? Any trader that took the long trade early out of the gate this morning had to take profit along the way. And then guess what? Once the market got below 281, you knew the trade was over. That was it. And guess what? There it is. Just as I say that, down at the bottom of the 1130 post, below 281 is a fumble for the bulls for sure. And the entire bull case is off the table. Look, this is the way the market works. The market gives you a look. It's telling a story. Generally speaking, using the 80-20 rule and the if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's generally going to be a duck using the 80-20 rule. If that stuff's going on and we're trading for whatever the market is telling us it's likely going to be doing, and then all of a sudden it changes, it's doing something else. That's the business of trading. That's why we have to know where we're wrong and we have to be able to know where we're wrong in a close enough manner to where we can lose small and fast if we have to lose at all. But here's the reality. Let's say a trader was long this morning. And by the way, let me scroll up while I'm talking here. You can pause it. You can read it. You can restart it. You can do whatever you like. I just want to get through the notes. Let's say a trader was long and they're long, let's just make up an easy number. They're long a thousand shares of something. Whether you do it in quarters, thirds, or halves, doesn't matter. That's up to the individual trader. But here's an idea. We've talked about this before. We've talked about this many times. And this is the answer you get back when you ask me the question. You take profit along the way. Let's say it's a quarter, a third, or a half. And then by the time you get to final target, wherever your final target is, you have not a full position, but the smallest portion of your position. Well, guess what? If you never get to final target, and let's say in this case, final target was SPY 284.50 from the notes, maybe you still have half a position. Maybe you have a quarter or a third. When they get below 281, you have to get out. But guess what? You still made a profit. And just to tie that up with a bow, the profit reason is because on whatever portion you have left, you can't let it go past where you bought it break even or in the money. So therefore, you've made a profit on a portion or multiple portions of a position. You've taken off, you put the money in your pocket and what you have left is riding for higher prices or you're going to get stopped out. That's the way a professional trader approaches every single trade. Let's finish scrolling up the notes here. And basically, as they went out, they turned into a chop shop. It became a mushy situation we knew 281, they tried to get above, they couldn't sustain it, and then what we had, we had. Now, here's an hourly chart. Hopefully, if you read the notes, you saw it. You saw 278.25. Why was that on the board? And the reason was because if the market ended up coming into, during the trading day, 278 and a quarter, you were likely going to get a reaction in the other direction from that number. Why is that? Here's the deal. 
This is something that we go over all the time. Most of you already know exactly what I'm going to say. Markets love to do what? Come back and check in at former breakout and former breakdown areas. Also, break up and break down candle highs. They're not one and the same, but it's the same concept. It's a concept that's discussed in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course in detail. Well, guess what? Here, the market gaps up to a spot. So I'm calling it 278.25. How do I come up with that? That's my business. We'll call it a general area. The specific numbers will leave for inside the numbers members. But here's what happened. The market gapped up to this spot. It ran up to today, right? This is from yesterday. It's an hourly chart. All charts act and react the same way. We see these things on a 5, 10, 15, 20, 30-minute chart. You see these things on a weekly, monthly, and daily chart. Well, here's the hourly chart. So the market runs up, comes up short of the 284.50. I'll get to that in a moment. And it comes back down to do what? Come back to retest a former breakout or former breakdown area. In this case, it was a breakout area. Now, it didn't get there during the trading day. You want to see something cool? Here's the after hours goings on. And look what happened right after the closing bell. Right into what? The 415 close. The low was 278.19, but they actually closed the candle at 415 above the number. Why is the 415 close important? It's something we discussed yesterday and used to our advantage for Inside the Numbers members. It's the futures close at 415. They close again at 5 o'clock. That's a subject for a different time. How do you like these apples? That was lesson number two. What was lesson number one? Lesson number one was the quick take on the money management stuff. Now, what happens if they give up this spot? Well, that's not good for the bulls because then they're going to want to come down, A, first test yesterday's low, and then come down and fill this gap here. And if they're doing that, you don't know if they're going to keep going or not at the time. So if they get below this particular breakout area, if it was not just a test, just a test is fine. If it was something more than just a test, for example, if we wake up on Friday morning and the market's collapsed, then something else is going on. Here's what we say, which is the same thing we've been saying. Above 281, the bulls are in control. Below 281, they're not. It's that simple. Below 281, can they have a much more pronounced sell-off? Absolutely, they can. Staying below 281, and they're more likely to come down and fill this gap that exists, let's call it 274 for argument's sake. Let's talk about stocks on the move for a moment. The first one was Netgear. I want to explain the error, and then we'll take a look at what happened. The error was the 2128 was on my chart. I forgot to put it on the board before the market opened. So the only thing on the board was 2150. Look what happened when they did get to the second spot. 2128, 10, 10 a.m. Now, here's the deal. Here's the net net. The stock closed yesterday up at 26 bucks a share, getting a pretty significant haircut at the open. We identified the spot 21 and a half plus the one below. That was my error. My bad. It happens. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. We all make mistakes. This one didn't cost anything because the thing did the thing anyway. It just never really had a rocket ride. It came up short. It bounced around. It came into the number. Some traders took the trade. Others didn't. Either way, it gave a trade. Not a great trade, but you can see it does the thing that we say all the time. 
the stocks have two options when they hit these numbers. Option number one is they turn around and go back in the other direction. Option number two is they hang around for a cup of coffee. There is no option number three if they cut through it like a hot knife through butter. Option number three was I had the number wrong. That's going to happen, and those are the ones that account for the 80-20 rule, the 20% chance that these are not going to work out. 80% of the time, they do work out. This one, Xilinx, was a better deal. Closing yesterday up around 90 and a half, getting sliced and diced at the open, pre-market coming up with a number of 84.57. The low here was 83.62. Once it found some stability... The rest is history. It went on the rocket ride. The afterburners were lit, and it made a high over here, you can see, of 88.86. Xilinx, stocks on the move. What's doing down at Camp IWM? Check this out. So the S&P 500 finishes basically flat on the day. The IWM finishes up a buck and a quarter, 1%. Remember, favorite market-leading indicator And what's this doing? It's doing the same thing that it was doing yesterday and the day before and the day before that. It's doing this thing that generally will do this thing. And as long as it stays above this 20-period moving average, that's the thing it's doing. What's the line in the sand? The same line that we talked about yesterday. It's the low from the 21st, which is 116.48. Daily close below that. You're closing below the 20-period moving average. And that's all she wrote for now. But right now, that's not the case. Right now, they're angling to go higher. Some of you will ask, well, isn't this a topping tail on the IWM today? And the answer is not really. Technically, it's a tail, but it's a tail in the middle of all this chop shop formation. What about the 120-minute chart? Look at it riding these moving averages. Does the tail matter when you look at this? Not really. You know there's still a lot of shorts in the market. I know a lot of you are short the market despite what I've been saying. We're going to get another leg down in the market. But the way it normally works is this. When Johnny come lately, you know, the pajama jockeys at home, when they begin running into the FOMO trade, to the momentum trade, because they think they're missing the rally and they're no longer short the market, they've covered their shorts, they've gotten the pie in the face, and they're usually the last ones in on the long side. Up until that happens, generally speaking, the market has some juice to move higher. Now, whether or not that happens right now or not remains a mystery. However, I'm just telling you the way it normally works. How do I know there's a lot of shorts still in the market? You have three things. There's probably a lot more than three things, but three things that I use. You have a put-call ratio. It's not overly bullish or bearish one way or the other. It's just out there. You have a commitment of traders report, which is centered around futures contracts, and it measures both the institutional and the retail trader based on what gets reported, I suppose, from the broker dealers. And then I have the email indicator. Now, right now, at present, the email indicator isn't that hot. However, it was real hot. And I'm going to go back to the SPY chart for this one. It was real hot right here. Everybody thought the market was going to collapse back down. They got short, and then they got the pie in the face. So it has quieted down up here in terms of the email indicator. But if I gauge some of the commentary underneath the videos of late, there's still a lot of shorts out there anyway. Put it this way. The people that believe the market's going higher are certainly in the minority. And while we're on the SPY chart, remember, below here, below this low from the 21st, 272.02, 
Good night, Irene. Then they start targeting some of the numbers we talked about the other day. If that begins to happen, we'll certainly do that again. Inside the numbers, members will have it readily available. So we just talked about the IWM, which is my number one favorite market leading indicator, having a bullish day, certainly in comparison to the spider, which was flatter, the S&P 500. Well, guess what? The transportation average, or as I like to say, the folks down at the transportation department, same routine, up 1.42%, 111 points in the face of a flat S&P. What's the deal? What's going on? Well, we know divergences. We know market-leading indicators, and both these things have been flipping around. They've been diverging before, now they're diverging again, so here's what we'll say. With the transports, again, above the 20-period moving average, and it's still angling to go higher. There's no reason that this cannot be an active, bull-flaggish, bull-wedge-ish pattern that does one of these. No reason it can't happen until and unless they close below the low of the 21st, That is active and in process. Keep this in mind. It's an awareness. They never make this easy. They always want to make it look like something else is actually going to happen than the thing you thought was going to happen, the thing that you're trading for was going to happen. Right before you think it's just going to happen, they turn around and they do the thing you didn't want to have happen. What is that exactly called? That's the way the market is designed. It's designed to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. That's the way this works. If you have numbers and you have some lines in the sand, you don't have to worry about all that nonsense. How about the cues? What about the folks over in Silicon Valley? Down half a percent, less than half a percent today. Can we make anything relevant out of that? Well, other than the fact that they tried to rally and failed... They're still above all the moving averages. There's nothing technically wrong with this chart, not from the current uptrend. By the way, even on the weekly chart, you can make a pretty strong case that there is no downtrend. You're above all the moving averages. What downtrend would you be talking about? What about the XLF? Down day in the XLF. Not by all that much, but not leading in any way to the upside. So it's lagging. So here's what we say. Without the financials, it's unlikely you're going to get a big boost to the north side in the market, right? You need financials to participate. They're hovering on the 20-period moving average. We don't have to worry about the 20-period moving average. What do we have to worry about? The low from the 21st. You break that on a closing basis on the daily chart, all she wrote. And all she wrote is a relative term. All she wrote from the current bullish pattern that exists on the chart, from the current uptrend. As far as the XLF is concerned, let's say you did break the uh, low from the 21st. Well, you're looking at this low here as a target, then the gap as a target. Pretty standard operating procedure stuff, garden variety. What about Smash Mouth? Uh Uh-oh, here's a problem. Intel reported after the bell. Intel is getting hit after the close. There's the after hours chart. So Intel being a pretty large component of Smash Mouth, and back to Smash Mouth for a moment, Smash Mouth being an important component of the NASDAQ, meaning it's a good leading indicator in either direction for the tech sector. This has the potential to start a spark, to drag down tech, which can drag down other stuff. Something to watch. It's an awareness. We don't know how everything's going to open up Friday morning. Just looking at it from a 10,000 foot view the night before. 
had a request to look at two stocks, so we'll do that. The first one is Zoom, and there's really not much to say. It's just at new highs. But there's a lesson in here, and I think the request came in before it powered forward all day long. But there's a lesson in here, so let me go down to an hourly chart. And here's the lesson. And the lesson is really the rope-a-dope. But if you're going to try and understand, at least you can use the benefit of being a Monday morning quarterback on this one to see what happened and understand why certain things happen. So let's take it from this perspective. So the market is doing what it normally does, right? It makes a breakup candle. And then we would say as long as they stay inside of here and never close below, at least on an hourly basis, then it's bullish. So what did they do? They ran a test. We see this stuff all the time. Some of you are even chuckling right now. I do it all the time. But here's what happened. You had like a thing inside of a thing going on. So you had the breakup candle thing going on. Then you had a breakdown candle thing going on. So it was kind of an ugly scenario. If you're a holder of Zoom, you don't want to watch this going on. These are big point spreads going on from 155 down to 138 or whatever the numbers are. Those are big moves. So the market creates a breakdown candle. Well, what happens then? Then it tries to climb up the breakdown candle. And then we know what? We know to look for a close above the breakdown candle. Well, in this case, a close above the breakdown candle puts the thing right back up in this essentially bull flag pattern off of this breakup candle. And I'm stretching it a little bit, but we're hypothesizing. It's the concept of what's going on. Essentially, Zoom tried to break down. It was rescued. It didn't break down. And what happened? Nothing ever happened in terms of the breakup candle low. And what happened? The market ended up doing the thing it was supposed to do. And this flag pattern played out like that. How do you like them apples? And what really happened was once it closed above on an hourly basis, above the high of this breakdown candle, it was over. It was going higher. It essentially picked back up where it left off. Now, let's be clear. I'm not saying this thing was tradable in the manner in which I described it. We're playing Monday morning quarterback. We use that information to our advantage later on other charts. We see the same things over and over and over again. Doesn't matter what stock, commodity, index, what chart, 10 minute, 15, 20, 30, hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, makes no difference. What do I always say? All charts act and react the same way. Where do you learn more about that? Lazy e-mini trader. The other chart that came in the same request was Boeing. Now, Boeing, what we're going to do is just review the daily chart because we're running short on time here. I don't want to be a windbag. But it's really doing the same thing the other charts are doing with a caveat. Look where it is as it relates to the 20-period moving average. Now, on one hand, when a stock or a market goes back and forth in between the 20-period moving average or back and forth over and above it, it diminishes, or any moving average, it diminishes the importance of that moving average. But still, nonetheless, I don't like the fact that it's below every moving average on the board, at least the ones I use. So here's what I'll say. Staying above 129, it's okay, Below 129, not so much. What does it need to do to really get going on the upside? Really, the number is 150. It's actually a little bit less than that. Call it 148.75, 148.80 for argument's sake. 
It's got to get above there, close daily above there, and then it can get going. Until and unless that happens, really no dice. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? True and accurate information. I'm going to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today. So let's close her out. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.